The book of Isaiah is divided into three parts, creatively named 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, and 3rd Isaiah. We think that the book of Isaiah, as we have it today, was actually written by three different authors. 1st Isaiah, happening before the Babylonian captivity. 2nd Isaiah, happening during the Babylonian captivity. And 3rd Isaiah, happening after the Babylonian captivity. Our reading from Isaiah today is from 1st Isaiah. This prophet Isaiah is warning the people that, well, most of the book, he's warning the people that if they don't trust in God, their city is going to be destroyed, and the Babylonians are going to have a victory over them. But this section of 1st Isaiah, instead of condemning them, gives them hope. When we try to get people to change their behavior, it's always, don't do this, it'll end poorly for you. But it's also, wouldn't it be better if we did this? Well, this is the wouldn't it be better portion. And he's talking about on this mountain, he keeps saying on this mountain. He's referring to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the center of Jewish life, the place where every festival was held, where all the sacrifices were made. That is the mountain. And on that mountain, the Lord is going to provide rich food and choice wines. He is going to remove the veil that veils all peoples. He's going to wipe away every tear from every face. He's going to remove the reproach of his people. He's going to destroy death forever. Those are big statements. Isaiah is telling the people, if you just stay faithful to the Lord, he is going to use this mountain for all of these great things. Reading the Old Testament holistically, we can see that the Lord never intended for the Jewish people to be an island unto themselves. He chose a people, not because he wanted to be exclusive in his choice, but so that that people would prepare the ground for other people to come to the Lord. The Jewish people were the predecessors, the ones who came first, the ones chosen by God to bring the light of God to all of the nations. And so when Isaiah is saying that on this mountain all of these things are going to happen, he doesn't just mean for the Jews. He does mean it in their immediate context. He's giving them the hope. If you trust in the Lord, he will make sure there is no more violence or sadness or death because your enemies won't attack you. But in a greater way of interpreting the book of Isaiah, we can see he's also saying this is going to be true for all people. All people on this mountain will be united together. All people will live in peace and harmony on this mountain, through this mountain. It is this mountain that will unite all people. That's how at least I interpret that he's going to remove the veil that veils all peoples. The web that is woven over all nations. It's the veil and the web of division, the idea that we are different people. Instead, the Lord wished to unite all people on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, to unite all people in the common worship of the one God. We humans will always find ways to be divided. The one thing that will unite us is the one thing that has no division in it at all, which is to say God Himself. 
God is the undivided entity, the one who has no division. And all of us, united in worship of the one God, would no longer have division. This was God's plan for the Jewish religion and the Israelite people. But then we get to the Gospel. And the Gospel is responding to a lot of things. This is a parable of Jesus. But the inspired Word of God, which is the Bible, happens through humanity. God used human beings and their experiences and their knowledge and their language to get his message across. It also looks like Matthew here is struggling with some questions that came up in about 70 AD. And so we have a little bit of that going on. In the Gospel, there are three movements. The first movement is the invited people do not come to the feast. This is Matthew using the words of Jesus, remembering the parables that Jesus shows and kind of applying it to his own time. He's looking at the fact that the Jews of his time, at least the majority of them, there were plenty of converts, did not accept Jesus as the Messiah. So the language here is the invited people did not come to the feast. The last three or four weeks, we've actually seen this. I haven't preached on it. But he talks about kind of the ones who were chosen, maybe the tenants in the vineyard, the ones who were chosen did not respond. So here, the ones who were chosen for the feast did not respond, and we have again a reference to the fact that the prophets were killed. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. It's a reference to the Jewish prophets, like Isaiah, although he was not killed, um, who are preaching the gospel who are trying to bring the people back into union with God and somehow they are mistreated or killed. The second movement in the, in the Gospel of the day. Okay, those who were invited have not accepted the invitation. So now the king says, go out, invite everyone. Which is what the Christians did. The apostles preached first to the Jews because Jesus himself preached only to the Jews. But then, St. Paul is called to preach to the Gentiles. St. Paul goes out to the rest of the Roman Empire and preaches to people who were not Jewish, who were not the chosen people, or at least the originally chosen people. So he goes out and preaches to the Gentiles. The third movement of the Gospel, we have this character who does not have a wedding garment. The early Christians struggled with the fact that people would convert to Christianity, they would seemingly accept Christianity, but then they would not live as Christians. They, they would apostatize, for example. That happened a lot during the early centuries when people were killed for being Christians. And so that's the idea. You come into this feast, but you clearly weren't prepared for it. Right? You shouldn't have come if you weren't ready. The early Christians thought a lot about kind of humans and adults coming to the faith. Don't come in until you're ready. Because if you come in and you're unready, you'll be sent to where there is wailing and gnashing your teeth. What do we take from all of this? God's plan was always to bring all people to himself. He gave us the Jewish religion, and he gave us the Old Testament as the first beginnings of that movement. However, it didn't go exactly like the early Christians thought it would. When the Messiah came, it wasn't this universal acceptance, and they had to struggle with that idea. But God's plan was never frustrating. God's plan to unite all people 
was never frustrated. He always plans to do and he continues to carry that plan out by giving us his son, by giving the gospel of his son to all people, Jew and Gentile alike. All people are invited to feast. And today, when we hear Isaiah say, on this mountain I will do all things, we should think of the fulfillment of the Jewish temple, which is in fact right here, this altar. It is coincidental that our altar looks a little bit like a mountain. I think that was just a visual thing, but for today, we're going to just talk about it as the mountain. It is in fact on this mountain that God gives us choice foods and rich wines. It is on this mountain that God destroys the veil over all the peoples. It is on this mountain that God destroys death forever, where he wipes every tear from every face. It is on this mountain that the reproach of his people is removed. We today offer the fulfillment of the sacrifices that were offered on the Temple Mount. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, and we unite ourselves at the Mass to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This mountain is the fulfillment of the mountain of Jerusalem, and it is on this mountain that God draws all people to himself. He wants to bring all people into a relationship with him through the Eucharist, through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, through the grace of the sacraments. And he wants to draw all people into relationship with each other by joining them all to the body of his son, Jesus, by joining them all in this one common worship of the one God who is never divided, 